The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag Trade Deadline Edition. Uh, We are a week away from the trade deadline. It is literally on next Tuesday, Halloween, I believe. Uh, But we are here live uh, the Tuesday night prior to that. Uh, My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the uh, producer, yes, of Pride in yep. Detroit. I'm off my game right now. You can find me at Detroit Online on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. With me, as always, is managing editor, aka the machine, aka at Eric Schlitt with a K on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. Eric, how are we doing, buddy? Hey, I uh, I think it's it's because it's the evening, maybe that it's throwing you off. Maybe uh, I don't know. Like yeah. we're no, we're normally in in the mid afternoon of the midweek, and so it's there's there's a lot of mids on this main show. A lot of mids, huh? I don't know. If a lot I, of mids. That, that, that does not seem like a compliment. I don't think you want to be a mid. I know well, you're probably not hip with there, the kids' language these days. The, yeah, I mean, there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing mid about the content. Let's okay, put it that go. way. There we go. Uh, anyways, uh, this is our midweek mailbag, our, our midweek podcast, obviously, where we answer your questions. If you want to ever send us questions, you can send it via Twitter is probably the best way to do it. If you want to hashtag it, ask POD, probably the easiest way for us to see it. But uh, as expected, because we were a week away from the trade deadline and because the lines made it very obvious that they are not quite a complete team on Sunday, a lot of you have questions about the trade deadline. So we are going to take at least the first segment to talk about that and answer a bunch of your questions. We're going to kick things off with at sleeved up on Twitter asks, what should Lions fans realistically expect for the trade deadline? My thought is a mid-tier move, like trading a fourth round pick for a solid player at cornerback or edge. It's the ultimate question, right, Eric? Um, we don't really have precedent here with, with Brad Holmes. Uh, he's never really been in a position where he could or should be a big buyer. So I don't know. What are you expecting a week out here? I'm not expecting much. Uh, and I know everyone wants, you know, action and they, they like the excitement of the trade deadline. Um, but I think they've built a deep enough roster that they're not overly worried about having to fill a need or or mortgaging part of their future, at least a significant part of their future to try and uh, fill a hole that they that they might have now. And there are a couple holes. That, that have occurred because of injuries or, or, or whatnot. Right. And so, you know, wide receiver corner, those, those make sense to me. Um, but at the same time, you've got some depth at wide receiver. So if you trade for a guy, you, the only guy that's, you know, maybe worth trading for is someone who's going to make an impact as a starter and you're going to have to pay for those. And again, I don't know if they want to. So uh, my expectations are, to keep your expectations very low. Yeah. Um, if they do acquire a guy, my kind of guess is it might come in the secondary because of uh, the Mosley injury. Sure. Again, I don't know if they're looking for, you know, a, a, a youth player that's going to come in and challenge to start necessarily. It's possible. They look at uh, a veteran that's out there and try and add some some depth so that you're not having to turn to Will Harris if there's an injury. And I mean, that makes more sense. But again, I just don't see Brad Holmes wanting to deal anything more than like a mid day three yeah. pick. 
So you kind of agree with uh, with sleeved up here. Yeah, it, I mean, it, as we're guessing here, right? We're, be, yeah, because certainly. I said like we we don't really know what Brad Holmes is thinking. We don't know what his philosophy is. When you've reached this level of competitiveness, do you want to try to go all in a little bit early? And and all in is is maybe an exaggerated term. Like this is still a very young roster. If they you know trade a second round pick and get a a big time starter, that's not mortgaging your future necessarily. Um, I I. I do think it was a little bit interesting what Dan Campbell said on the radio today when asked about the trade deadline. You know, he he said some very like, of course, you're going to say all this sort of stuff. But what (laughs) what is what his focus seemed to be on was, listen, if we're going to add a guy, we have to make sure one that he's a culture fit. Right. Like we're not going to bring in a guy that's going to disrupt the the harmony that we have going on here. and and it has to be for the right price. And I think that last part is what kind of leads me to believe what you're thinking, that this is not a team that is going to shell out. You know, Brian Burns is a guy that everyone wants, right? Yeah, but you're going to pay a first and right. maybe a third or a fourth as well, right? right? Yes, because if, if, so. if you don't remember, the Los Angeles Rams tried to trade for Brian Burns last year, and they reportedly offered him offered them two first round picks and more uh, maybe even a second after that. I think they upped their, yeah. their ante. So granted, this is the last year of Brian Burns's contract. So probably won't be as expensive, but it's going to come at a hefty price. And I'm not so sure that the lines are prepared to do that, but because they want a guy to that, that fits their culture, that makes me think that maybe they're thinking along the lines of a veteran player, a guy that they, that has been in the league that knows how to be a professional um, that they can trust to to come in and not rock the boat too much. And so, you know, these these rookie guys, like Patrick Sertain's obviously another big name out there, but sure. all indications seem to be that Denver's not going to trade away their first-round pick who's balling out in the middle of his rookie contract because why would you trade that? Like, I understand <laughs> you're a bad team, but he's still a low-cost guy that you still have a couple more years on uh, in his mm-hmm. rookie deal. So I don't, I don't think it's retains going anywhere. And even if he were available, like, I don't know if the lines would get into a bidding war for him. So all of that to say, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if like, if they go to maybe like a third or a second round pick to get a really high quality starter, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, particularly maybe at outside corner. But I just don't know if that's if those stars are going to align um, for the Lions uh, in terms of talent, in terms of um, personality match, culture match, all that sort of stuff. Um, kind of it, it's tough. It, it, it's what makes the trade deadline such a dangerous game because you have such a short um, runway for this player to mm-hmm. become acclimated to your. I mean, you see what the Lions do with all their new players, right? The rookies like slowly acclimate. If you're coming back from injury, slowly acclimate. Well, if you're trading for a guy at the deadline, you are throwing him into the fire. And so you're you're going to have to have a lot of trust in whoever you trade for. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, it's I don't think there's like a really uh, I think what what fans are or from what my again, my perception of what I've seen on social media and interaction yeah. with fans is that they want a big splash right. future type player and they're willing to give up a ton for them. And I just don't see that um, in the cards. That's, that's again, my guess based on how Holmes has, has approached the last couple of off seasons. All right. Next question comes from Nate Simmons on Twitter as would you, would whatever you have to give for an elite pass rusher, Devonte Adams or Patrick Sertain, be worth it? Uh, Max Crosby, Brian Burns, Daniel Hunter, some of the uh, options. Or do do any of those guys seem like maybe someone you would be willing to pay? And and I guess what would be the max for for one of those guys? Devonte Adams, Sertain, Crosby, Brian Burns, Daniel Hunter. Any of those guys? Like, would you pay? Would you pay a second round pick for Daniel Hunter? No. I wouldn't. He's mm. oh, he's in his 30s now, right? I believe, if I'm not mistaken. He's close if he's not. Or he's at 30 or something like that. Um, I wouldn't pay a second rounder for him. He's 28. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, still, I, he's been around. It seems like he's been around for a long time. Yeah. So. Um, 2015, he has. It, a second just seems high for a position that you have a lot of depth at and you're messing around with. Right. He, he's not as clean of a scheme fit. 
So you'd be trying to alter your scheme again. See, like they've already altered their scheme once this during yeah. the season. Like, right. you know, they've, they, they, they weren't getting the production that they wanted out of Charles Harris. So they basically flipped Hutch over to that side, added Kamitsky, And then now Jack, uh, the Jack linebacker, Sam linebacker is now Jack Campbell. And so right. they've, they've switched to that front. And so if you were to add like a guy like Daniel Hunter, you'll be flipping it back. You'd be adding yeah. Hunter uh, and, the, and then you're reducing Kaminsky and you're reducing. Would they do it? I don't know. I mean, but you'd have to find like the right guy that fits the right thing. Like a guy like Max Crosby is the ideal fit. Yeah. for this roster for this scheme but he's he's you're not getting him for a second you're getting right. you're paying a first plus for him and again i just don't know if that's necessarily in the cards the raiders i don't even know if they would be interested in dealing uh him for uh the 32nd pick in the upcoming draft so i don't know um stuff i think yeah it would it would it's it seems very challenging i would keep I would keep Adams cost low as well. Like, because again, he's, he's, he's older, has got a bigger contract. And so, and he rocks the boat a little bit, right? He's not afraid of speaking to the media, Yes, which I'm not sure will fly. I mean, listen, the Lions will allow their players to be who they are. um, But at the same time, there's, there's enough drama in their wide receiver room right now um, that I'm not sure Devontae Adams. I mean, Max Crosby, I think is an ideal scenario. Um, you're getting a young player, you're getting a, a full effort guy, um, a, a, a guy that, you know, Dan Campbell would absolutely love, but prices is, is very much an issue. And I, I just don't know. I, it, it's not only the, the, the trade capital, it's the amount you're going to have to pay him. And, and we're, we're our, you know, how many times have we talked about the, the, the big deals on the horizon that the lines are going to have to pay in-house, whether it's Amon Ra or Panay or Jared Goff or, or whoever, like there's, there's a lot of people that, that have to be paid. And, and, and yes, you can probably fit all of this in with some, you know, salary cap gymnastic, but it's not going to be easy. And then I, I also think the other part of this too, is we're all, we're all, taking this from the Lions point of view. Mm-hmm. But look around the league right now. There are of the 32 teams in the NFL, 23 mm-hmm. have three wins already. All but nine. How many of those teams are, are going to be willing sellers right now when they're right in the mix of everything? Well, that's the, the trick, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, that's the trick. You got your, if you're looking at those nine teams, then you're hoping to find a, a a talented player at a position that they have right uh you know quantity of plus the cost like so okay for example we're talking about corners and we're talking about is there one of those nine teams that has a veteran corner maybe at a cheap cost that you could pay a day three pick for and maybe get we're going to see him this weekend, the guy in my mind, and, and right. that's and that's Marcus Peters. Mm-hmm. I think Marcus Peters is a guy who's 30 and he's got a lower contract. He's comfortable in man, comes from the you know Raven scheme, so he's familiar with Duker. Um, and I don't think you're going to have to overpay and he's not going to kill your cost. And so like a guy like a guy like Marcus Peters, maybe. You know, like maybe he's a guy that the Lions would go after and he doesn't necessarily have to start. So, but that's the thing is it's so hard to find. Like if you yeah. look at the rest of the Raiders the Ra- roster, I mean, the Raiders are also three and four. <laughs> like, yeah, I know, I know it's a very fraudulent three and four right. and no one in the NFL necessarily respects them. But you think in-house they're like, uh, we're, we're three and four, but we know we're actually not that good. We're not going to try. <laughs> like, we're just not going to try. We're going to tank at three and four. Like, that's no, just not how it, it works. Yeah. yeah. That's and like I Washington's another were... Washington's another example. Like I know there's crazy rumors spreading around. The, the Lions are about to to pillage the, the, the commanders. The commanders are three and four. They're 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 yeah. half game out of a playoff spot. I don't I don't think they're ready to start selling. That's I mean, and that's really the thing is you I mean, what what of which of these bad teams has a guy that's talented enough that you're willing to go after yet they're willing right. to part with when they're probably starting getting ready to rebuild. Like it's a hard, it's a hard, you know, hole to, to try and throw that needle through there to, to in order to try and like make it 
make it worth your while. Yeah. I mean, to me, the the player match that that makes I I guess the most sense. I don't but again, it's coming from the commander, so I don't know if if it's really a, a realistic thing because I again I don't know if the commanders are 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 truly in it, but uh Kendall Fuller. Like Kendall Fuller to me is a guy that he he's a veteran. He's he's played long enough. He's got a little bit of inside outside versatility that it, it at least makes a little bit of sense to me. But I it's on the last year of his deal, I believe, too. All of that sure, like maybe. I think Washington Washington just just drafted two young corners too. But at the same time, if you have two young corners, having a guy like Kendall Fuller in the room is a great, you know, a resource for those guys. It's it's what we want. We always wanted for someone like Jeff Okuda and never got. Um, so again, yeah, it's it's easy from from our point of view to be like, I want that player. I want that player. I want that player. But when you right. look at it from the from their point of view, you have to be like, OK, does it make sense for them to trade him, though? And mm-hmm. And I just don't think there are that many obvious teams that obviously should unload that have obvious fits in Detroit. That's where I'm at. All right. Uh, let's, you know what? Let's flip the script here. Uh, forgive the, the Twitter name, but uh, at farts and boners asks a lot of questions about who we should trade for, but is there anyone on our roster? Do you think we should legitimately consider trading away? Well, I wouldn't have said Charles Harris before this week, but now all of a sudden I think he might be vulnerable. Sure. Uh, I think I think Julian Aquara was getting a shot to prove that he could do something. And uh, did Julian do anything against the Ravens that made you take notice of him? And so <laughs> like I think seven snaps. <laughs> exactly. So like, yeah. so I think that puts him on the trade block as well. Um, what's interesting to me is uh, when you listen to Shepard, talk last week he was talking about the uh jack campbell and how jack campbell fits what they want to do at the sam and how he brings something different because it's not as comfortable of a, of a position for guys like xxx and then he and then he mentions julian right and i'm like this is julian's path julian should be playing at the sam and the fact that he really isn't i think makes him highly vulnerable as well so Julian, Charles, um, I think those guys are high enough value players that they might be someone that players that someone might be interested in adding to like a depth rotation or maybe adding to their rebuild because Julian's athleticism is so good. But like, I don't, you're not going to get anything for him. You know what I mean? Like, you're just not. Yeah. So like, Thinking uh, anything that you that uh, teams are going to come to the lines and say, are you interested in trading him? You're probably not going to trade because you're in the hunt. So, right. Right. And I'm sure they they like their depth. Like, obviously, you don't want to have a Charles Harris on, on the bench necessarily. And the lines have even said, you know, this isn't it for Charles Harris. You know, he, he's very much still in our plans. He can very much work his way back in the starting lineup, all that sort of stuff. Um one interesting name that's been thrown out there from from some fans I know is is Malcolm Rodriguez, and I, I mean I don't know I, I I'm not I'm not going to immediately dismiss the idea of that he's a guy that is is on everyone the national radar a little bit thanks to to Hard Knocks he, I think anyone is going to turn their head a little bit when a, a a day three rookie is starting from week one. Um, I mean, his use as a fullback is is interesting, and it feels like it doesn't feel like they're they're just trying to find ways to get him on the field necessarily. But I think they do like the versatility that he can bring. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Malcolm and and him at fullback in in the second segment here. But I don't know. Do you, do you give any credence to to maybe Malcolm being on the trade block? It, we we even we even talked to uh, um, Shepard last week, and he was like, "Listen, we're going to need him." Because at some point, someone's probably going to get injured amongst that linebacking crew. But if you're looking at places where there's maybe maybe a surplus of talent, I feel like linebacker is certainly one of them. When it comes to roster construction, there's been one constant through all three seasons of this regime. And that is they keep six linebackers mm-hmm. for special teams. Yeah. Malcolm is linebacker four. 
in order to pull him out of the middle of your depth and trade him somewhere, you better be getting better return than what you paid for him because otherwise it's not worth it. He's on a massively inexpensive contract that you have for two more years. He is a core special teamer and he is a backup who has starting experience uh, at a valuable position that all of a sudden you're playing three guys at. And so, yeah, it'd have to be an overpay to to pull him away from this regime. Like a third? Which no, I mean, you're Malcolm because right? I, yeah, I, I look. If someone offered a fourth, maybe they'd consider it. But like at the same time, I don't see anyone offering a fourth either. Like it's right. just you're not the the cost value on the trade market is if you're spending a fourth or more, you're hoping to get a guy that's going to challenge to start and who. You know, where where's is Malcolm going to challenge to start somewhere? You know, who's decimated with, you know, linebacker crew is is, you know, minimal. Right. Yet they still need a missing piece to make a run. And I just don't think you'd get the uh, it, you know, you wouldn't get the benefit of it. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right there. Uh, plus linebacker. I don't know if we're talking about a high value position. Let's be honest. No, it's um, not because, you're, yeah, you're not going to get what you you're not going to get what it would take to to remove them. Right. Um, last one before we go to break here uh, from our, our good friend, Alamos Mary on Twitter asks if the lines don't trade for a cornerback, how do you see them covering that position from their own practice squad or off the waiver wire? It's a good question because I, I, I think people are understandably concerned about the depth of outside corner, right? Um, you had to have Will yeah. Harris in there last week. We don't really know what the status on Jerry Jacobs is, but I, I, I get the sense if he was close last week and, and he was doing on-field warmups, which just he was probably close, he'll probably be back, but it's probably only a matter of time before Cam Sutton or Jerry Jacobs goes down again and you're going to have to rely on your depth. And I don't know. Do, do you do you have a lot of faith in, in who the Lions have? Do you think the Lions have a lot of faith in, in who they have beyond maybe Will Harris? Yeah, I think those are two separate things. Yeah, uh, I think right. my, fa- my my faith in their depth is not as high as their faith in their yes. depth. Um, in their minds, they have starters in Jerry, Cam, and Brian Branch. Yep. And then they have four reserves that can both play inside and that can play inside now. Uh, they believe in Gilmore, even though they're not going to rush him. Uh, they've liked what they've seen out of Dorsey, but he's mostly a special teams first guy. That's why he made the roster. Right. And they 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 think Will Harris can do everything. And so they like their depth. <laughs> uh I'm not I'm not as sold on it. Um <laughs> but again, let's be real. There's no one in free agency. There's not a corner in free agency right now that's going to come in and beat Gilmore out yeah. for a job, much less Will Harris. So otherwise they already be on the roster, right? Correct. Exactly. <laughs> uh so if you don't trade for one, you're basically hoping that a team has a disgruntled person that is released, but then at the same time, is that disgruntled person going to be a, a character fit with your locker room? So but, I don't plus, know. At, at some point veterans getting released will also be subject to waivers. And and I'm sorry to say that we're past the point where lions are going to get first crack at players on waivers too. Uh, yeah. as, you know, they're, they're probably in the low twenties at this point. Um, yeah. I, I, the, the, the other thing I wanted to kind of bounce off of you here is let's say they decide, Will Harris, you're just going to be either a nickel or you're just going to be a special teams who who amongst their depth do they trust? Do you think at that outside corner position more? Is it Dorsey? Is it Gilmore? Is it, obviously, in terms of like game day rosters, they trust Khalil more. But I think a lot of that has to do with special teams. So if oh, they yeah. needed a defensive player, do you think maybe they they throw uh, Gilmore to the fire first? 
I wonder. I look, I, and I and you you're would. gonna you were gonna call you're gonna call me homers, but I'm gonna say Chase Lucas might be in that mix as well okay. on the outside. On the outside, because uh, he yeah, because he did play uh, outside a little bit in, in camp. Uh, he's much better on the inside though. Like 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 yeah. let's let's be honest, he is. He's just much better on the inside. Um, I wonder if they were if like Will was hurt and Jerry was hurt. I bet they would turn to Gilmore. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's the upsides there. The athleticism is better than, than Dorsey. Um, I agree with you that I think Dorsey's spot is special teams, you know, dictated. Right. For sure. Um, so I do think they would probably go to Gilmore. You know, one, one thing I probably should have done before we started, this was, um, Looked at different practice squads because there might be a corner on a practice squad somewhere like that's yeah. going to be better than someone who's cut. Right. Sure. And, and and that's something that, you know, teams often do. So I don't know. I mean, I, I maybe there's some I'm sure someone has gone through and, and looked at those. Uh, but that's, that's a lot of work and that's a lot of well, I mean, speculating all that there, sort of stuff. Like there, I already there, see some people upset about Sterling Thomas, who who I wrote about today because he actually started for the Cardinals, <sighs> um, which I mean, it hurts a little bit. But um, at yeah, the same time, like if Sterling Thomas was here, what would he be doing? Probably nothing. He'd probably be in the same spot. <laughs> like if, if he had St- Stephen Gilmore's spot, mm-hmm. he'd be he'd be the same thing. Like he'd be active for two games so far. Well, I, look, this is another spot where I saw something completely different than I guess the Lions did. Yeah. And um, he was a guy that I thought was playing ahead of Gilmore, Dorsey. He, well, he was Lucas, early. In training and, camp, it and, was un- and Harris. undeniable. <laughs> and yeah. Harris. And Harris, I think he was he, he was on that fringe. Like there was yeah. a point where he was probably playing. Like I don't know if he CB3. was necessarily getting. Yeah, he wasn't getting rep. I, I mean, he, at, at some points, second he, team, Harris yeah. was getting reps. Yeah, first. Yeah, and then at other points, um, Star was getting reps first. And so, my point is, is he was on that level, and and it it was the most surprising cut of camp and it's no surprise that he was immediately picked up yeah and it's not surprising that he's gotten a start already either uh so in my opinion if he was still here i don't know if he would have started but he would have played last week in my opinion Hmm, maybe i'm not sure i agree with you there but I think that's I, okay. I think I think the staff's love for Will Harris is too strong for that for them to let no, that that's, happening. That's why I was saying like he might not have started, but look, yeah. Dorsey came in at the end. You know what I mean? Like so, he did. that's true. And I wonder, I wonder if that was a performance thing, or if I wonder that was pulling Will Harris, who can play every position, and we love him. So let's not hurt him. We we can have, we can have okay. golf out there. We can have all these exactly. other guys out there, but exactly. let's let's protect our Will Harris. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a break. When we come back, more of your questions. We're going to move a little bit away from the trade deadline talk and talk a little bit more about Baltimore and going forward against the Raiders and all that fun stuff when we come back here on the Midweek Mailbag. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back here on the Midweek Mailbag, myself and Eric Schlitt, answering your questions here live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit and now YouTube again. So if you want to check us out, if you're more of a YouTuber, we are now live on YouTube as well. Um, Before we went live here, uh, Marvin Jones news broke. Um, He stepped away from the team to deal with a family matter. Um, The Lions subsequently released him as part of an agreement. It wasn't like, oh, you don't want to play for us? We're we're kicking you out the door. Like they came to an agreement best for both parties for him to, to step away from football and for the lines to have an open roster spot. So I've had a couple questions about Marvin Jones. Um, I don't have a specific one in front of me, but I guess the, the, the easiest question is here is how does that change the Lions wide receiver room? Obviously Marvin Jones wasn't getting a lot of production, but he was playing a fairly significant amount every week. So how how do lines adjust who maybe gets an increased role and and what what are they losing in Marvin Jones and and what maybe are they gaining from someone else stepping up well you're losing veteran leadership right off the bat which is um unfortunate uh, you still have Josh Reynolds of Khalif they've they've been in the league for a while and and St. Brown is the consummate leader even though he's young so you can sustain that but I think Marvin brought a different perspective. Um, his skill set translates uh, as a teacher to JMO, which I think would have been very beneficial. Uh, but his absence will increase the opportunities for JMO as well, which could also benefit him. So, you know, it's it's unfortunate. I th- he's look. He was the he was the oldest wide receiver in the NFL which yeah. is kind of crazy because he's only 33. Right. Uh, but like, that's just the nature of offensive skill positions in the NFL now. And uh, so, yeah, so they lose a veteran leader. They lose uh, a steady uh, contributor, a blocker, uh, locker room presence. Those are all valuable things at the same time. You could tell he wasn't the player. He was the last time he was in Detroit. Um, when JMO came back, it seemed to cut into his snaps even more, and it maybe it would have progressed that way even further down to the future. So, um, you know, you feel bad that he has to leave or, or feels the need to leave because he's you don't want it, you know, you, you we don't know what the situation is, and uh, but obviously it's serious enough that he's choosing to to exit. But, um, you know, I think the Lions will be able to adjust. But there are there are valuable things that walk out the door with him. Yeah, it, and and you have to respect someone that that realizes something requires his full attention, and and football becomes secondary. And so hopefully, it's not something too serious, but it obviously is serious enough to, to pull him away from football. So, um, <clears throat> all thoughts are are with him and his family right now. Um, in terms of on field impact and things like that, I think one interesting, maybe under undersold outcome from Sunday's game. And again, you you have to parse through how much was just like the game was out of hand versus how much, um, you know, they, they actually wanted to play these guys, but Antoine green, if I'm not mistaken, had the exact same amount of snaps as Jameson Williams in that game. He's, he's going to get more opportunities. He's slowly kind of been getting here and there opportunities. And while I don't think he has the first NFL catch yet, um, it, I think it's coming and it's coming maybe sooner than, than people think, or, or expect. And listen, like I know all the, the conversation is about Jameson Williams and, and when he's going to progress and finally live up to his building, but like, they're also trying to make Antoine green, a better player, a a contributing player. And I think this is going to open up some opportunities for him too, as well. I'm not saying he's going to suddenly become a, you know, four catch a game type of guy, but he's going to be someone that they rely on, I think. And some people are thinking, okay, well now, now there's a wide receiver. There's a, there's a vacancy on the 53 man roster. Let's, let's go get someone. Let's go 
add a wide receiver. I don't think they're going to have any that much interest in adding to their wide receiver room. I think they like their wide receiver group because yeah, a, a guy that 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 we know they really like, Khalif Raymond, he's barely playing at all anymore. I think he played right. like 13 snaps against the Ravens. Um, so I think they're happy with their room. I think they're just going to give more opportunities to the young guys now that, that Marvin's gone. And I think that's that's maybe something to be mildly excited about because I'm I am I'm interested in what Antoine Green can can bring to the table. And and once he maybe develops a little bit more chemistry with Jared Goff, we'll find out. My guess um is you could see Daryl Daniels maybe come back or maybe um Divine Zigbo gets a promotion because mm-hmm. they've uh they've already elevated him twice. Yeah. And uh, they're going to need a they they've been using a fourth running back on the roster uh, all season. So, yeah. yeah. So um, that's kind of my guess. It's is one of those. They're still going to keep an offense. Still going to add an offensive skill player. But I think it's going to be one of the other two, not necessarily wide receiver. The, The five that they have, they feel pretty confident in. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Next question from Andy Laz on Twitter. Um, we talked a little bit about Jack Campbell. There's another one on Jack. Um, says, what position do you see Jack Campbell settling into slash where do you think he will find the most success? And obviously this question is, is directed around the fact that he's been playing that Sam linebacker role, which is essentially an edge position. Um, we talked a lot about it last week with, with Lions coaches. Um, <clears throat> I think, I think both um, Kelvin Shepard and Dan Campbell were just like, listen, it's nice to have a guy there that naturally can drop into coverage because we we've asked, you know, we've asked a lot of our guys to do. We've asked Charles Harris to do it. We've asked Julian Acquara to do it. We obviously James Houston, when he was here, when he was healthy, he was asked to do it a lot. Jack Campbell's the only one that, that can do that naturally as, as, as Kelvin Shepard put it. And he's, yeah, mm-hmm. he's much better. There's no question about it to me. The question though, is like, okay, he's got that part down, but the other guys are much better at the other kind of more common edge position, like holding the edge, making sure containing and, and not, you know, that was a big problem for Jack Campbell on, on, on Sunday is, is losing contain. Pass rushing is not there with Jack Campbell yet. So, okay, great. He can drop into coverage. He can play the off-ball part of the Sam linebacker role, but he could also just play off-ball linebacker. Right. And and play to his strengths there. So I, I don't really see why he's in the Sam role other than maybe they just don't think anyone else can do it right now. Um, but I, I do you think that's where his career is headed at this point? Like they're obviously hammering it home with him right now. He's playing it a lot. Mm-hmm. Is it out of necessity? Is it because the Lions have Derek Barnes playing playing his butt off? What what, what are your thoughts on, on his future here? My my future projection for Jack Campbell is he's going to be an off ball. He's going to be a starting Mike in this league as he acclimates at this point. I think what they were looking for is to try and get their best front seven on the field at yeah. the same time. Yep. And they wanted to, tr- they're, they're looking for someone that they can con- get consistent production out of, or at least talent, put a talented play- player or two opposite Aiden. And so it's, you're not getting the production you want out of Charles Harris. Um, you're not getting the production that would be required for a starting level uh, play out of either of the Aquaras. Um, Romeo's looking good, but he's much better as backing up Hutchinson than he is like starting opposite Hutchinson. I think right now he's just, he's not really been able to return to his pre Achilles self, in my opinion. And so what they've done is they've gone to their most consistent edge guy. And that's uh, John Kaminsky and Kaminsky though, is best suited as kind of like that five technique edge guy. And then it allows them with Kaminsky on the field to be able to add that athletic skill player that can drop into coverage and 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 ideally what that does is it increases their ability to cover underneath which is where most quarterbacks win in that short to intermediate level now that adding that third linebacker allows them to have coverage there at the same time jack's athletic enough that they think he can contribute coming off the edge as well i think it's this is our best seven guys type of thing. I don't 
think they have the answer they want though, <laughs> you know, right. because like you said, I don't think Jack's producing at the pass rushing level that he, that the team wants. The other guys aren't producing in the coverage aspect that they want. Right. And so you've got this, like, you, you're not getting a complete player at that position right now. Jack's only going to get better by playing. And I think they know that. Yeah. And I think they're like, let's just keep playing him and keep playing him. He gives us the best opportunity to run the style we want. And if he gains more experience, he's just going to get better. And it's kind of like playing the long game with Jack Campbell at the same time, also trying to get their best front. And I don't know if they have an answer right now, uh, opposite Aiden. But what I can, what I, what I do think is, since they've kind of switched to this front, I think Aiden's less productive as well. So yeah, he is. I, I guess my like okay, the, I get they wanted seven men in the box against the Ravens, right? Like that was and, that was, and the Bucks and the Bucks and the Bucks too. Yeah. <clears throat> Why not have Kaminsky as your edge, Aiden as your edge, two linebackers, and Brian Branch? Well, that's the thing is Branch was gone, too. That could have been part of right, why they did. But, yeah, but, but now this past week, he only played 50 percent of the defensive snaps. Like if your defense is drowning, back. If mm-hmm. your defense is drowning, though. Get Brian Branch out there. I'm sorry. Like, well, look, first game back from injury. Yeah. OK, so you got to keep that in mind as well. Yeah. Um, Maybe as Branch plays more. Then that's where then they, they start switching back. Right. Yeah. Because really their best set i in my opinion is to have branch on the field and and just line up aiden and kaminsky and let those two guys go that's what i'm that's what i'm saying yes that's, that's what i want we could we see them switch back to that against the raiders who remember baltimore and and the bucks are both teams that are going to run at least half the time yeah and they're teams that have quarterbacks that get, can get loose out right. of the pocket yep raiders don't have that the Raiders are more traditional. They're more in the pocket and they move away from the run really quick. Right. Even though, okay, we'll, we can talk Josh about the Daniels. Raiders a little bit more. My God, <laughs> what, what a mess. Um, but uh, look, they had the best, they had, they had the, the rushing leader on their team last year, yet they were still like so pass heavy, like, and then they come back and they try and utilize them and it's not work. Okay. Yeah. The Raiders, I think Josh McDaniels is is a, a huge reason why they're so bad. Um, so could we see them switch back to what was working? I would hope so. I would too. Because like Aiden was so good in that in in that role that they used previously, and then maybe you get an opportunity to get Charles Harris back on uh, to play on the opposite side, give him another chance to go. So this switch though that they did the last couple of weeks. It, it seemed more of a detriment to the overall production, in my opinion. But I can the logic I'm guessing is that they just thought it was the the best. Like you want to, they wanted to be able to load the box, create a wide edge, contain that. You know, like that's we. They, and they, we about, right? they said it. They they literally said like it was it was yeah. about getting their best players out there. Like Derek Barnes is playing so well that they don't want to take him off for Jack Campbell. And so the, their answer was to get both of them out there in some way. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, hopefully maybe it's, as you, maybe it's better for the long-term health of the team, right? Because like you said, the only way Jack sure. Campbell is going to get better is if he's out there playing, but in the interim, can we not let the Ravens hang 38 on us? It'll be interesting to see if they switch it up though. Yeah. This week will be a true litmus test of, are they switching to this? Like what is What looks more like a traditional three, four, right. Um, or, are they going to stick into this hybrid, you know, uh, two, four with your, with a nickel on the field all the time? Like, which is, I really think that what's there was the working really good for them early right. in the season. Yeah. All right. Last question here. And we put it off long enough here. Uh, ben Green on Twitter asks, did Balt did Balt the performance against Baltimore change your opinion about this team's ceiling? Um. I don't know. That's I mean, it's a good question. Yeah, I I definitely think there were things that were exposed and it definitely caused me to have some pause at the same time. It's really tough 
to not, you know, lose a game. We like it's really tough to be able to go long distances and long stretches without losing the game. Yes, it was a yes, it was a, a bad beating, but we said this um in 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 the uh PODD, the PO, POD direct uh yeah. stream. This reminded me of the Carolina game and the yeah. fact that they were not prepared for it. And Coach Campbell came out and said the same thing. I didn't prepare them for it. Right. And so it reminds me of that. And can they do the same thing that they did after that Carolina game, come back and then punch the next team in the mouth and then get on, you know, get refocused? I think they can because they've done it. So while it did cause me some pause, it doesn't make me think that they're going to like be any less productive. It's not going to change my my score prediction or my uh, season record prediction. Sure. It's it's not going to change the fact that I think they're winning the the North and probably going uh, uh, winning the playoff game or two and seeing if they can even go past that. So like, I don't think it's really changed a ton. It just, but it did cause me some pause. Yeah. I I'll admit, I probably got a little bit swept up in some of the excitement at five and one and and pie in the sky and listen is this team team still capable of winning the super bowl like yes i think they are but they're not there yet and i thought maybe they were playing like the best team in the nfl through six weeks but i think this game proved to me that they're not there yet they're not they're not at that level and i think i think i should have known from the beginning that there was going to be some regression to the mean with this defense. I don't think it was ever truly a top five unit, no matter what the DVOA score said, no matter what, whatever stats you want to throw out there said. They still have issues in pass rush. They still have issues in coverage. And those have really been exposed the last two weeks and in the Seattle game. And so they've got work to do on that side of the ball. Offensively, I, I'm completely unchanged from that game. Nothing, nothing about how the offense performed in that game changed how I think they're going to play offensively for the rest of the year. They're still going to be a top five unit, but defensively, I think they're further back than what we were saying a week ago. And I think deep down, I probably already knew that, right? They haven't played a ton of great offenses. They haven't played a lot of great quarterbacks. So when they do, it's going to be trouble. The good thing is, Look at the schedule outside of maybe Kirk Cousins. I'm not sure they play a lot of good offenses the rest of the way. I think if you look, if you were overly concerned, if you walked out of that game and you were having heart palpitations and and (laughs) rethinking, you know, your perspective, the game on Monday night should have helped level that out. Yeah, because the 49ers lost to the Browns and then they lost to the Vikings and the 49ers were considered the number one team in the NFC. Like they were the most balanced. They have the most skill players at the different positions and like and they just lost two in a row. Right. And it hopefully offers a huge warning to the Lions that say, don't take a team lightly just because you're at home on Monday night football. You know what I mean? Right. So don't take this Raiders team lightly. There's a, I mean, it's an easy talking point, an easy coaching point for Campbell this week to be like, look what happened to the 49ers. Let's not be the 49ers. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the 49ers have lost twice. The, The Ravens have lost twice. The Dolphins have lost twice. Like, Teams are going to lose. There's a reason there's only been two teams who have finished the regular season. Perfect. You know what I mean? Like, and so it's hard to be that good play at that level, endure injuries and just be able to maintain, like you're going to have hiccups. It's part of it. It was an ugly hiccup. But that tends to be what the hiccups are with this group, right? Like they've two of their three losses in the last 15, 16 games have been 
ugly. Yeah. But the rest of the times they've been they've been good. And so <clears throat> but I, I'm hoping go ahead. I think I think I'm just gonna say I, I think it's fair to wonder if that's a serious concern. Because if if you can't handle adversity in a game like that and it snowballs that quickly, that's that's bad news. I, I would say Seattle is the is the counterexample though, right? Like Seattle, you took you took a couple punches in the mouth there in the in the third and fourth quarter and you came back and, and got yourself to overtime. But you can, you can't have these big blowouts happen again all all the time. Not that they're happening all the time. Like you have this one, you have the Carol, uh, Carolina one last year. You have the Patriots one. Some people throw the Dallas one in there, and I feel like you don't remember that Dallas game because they were on the goal line to take the lead in the fourth quarter of that game. So Dallas doesn't go belong in there. But I mean, Philadelphia, the bury the tape game, right? I would say even the Miami game that that got Aubrey Pleasant fired. Like there's there's a lot of examples of them just kind of getting their their butts kicked pretty bad. Um, and you hope that's not a sign of just this team being unable to handle adversity within a game. Well, look, I think a lot of those you can kind of look past, in my opinion, because like they they see once they kind of flip that switch, like 17, 18 games go or whatever it was, right? Like, yeah, they've they've lost in the three games that they've lost over that over that time period. They've it's they've been blown out twice, but they've also bounced back. And so now's the opportunity to show that they can do that again. And if they can, everything's fine. You lose to the Raiders on Monday night. Check back in on my panic level then. But like right now, I'm not I'm not I'm not overly concerned because. I was just going to say, and, and, you know, there, there are games when they faced adversity and bounced back and won. And maybe that's why I'm not talking about them. Like the chiefs game. Remember they, they fell behind in that chiefs game. They, they, that was a comeback win that I'm sure they they have more comeback wins, you know, in this losing to the Packers. In week 18. Sure. Right. So it happens, but it just, I don't know. The, 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 the embarrassment of a, of a blowout like that. And, and as Dan Campbell, a, a game that you were never even in, um, you just can't have those. You really can't. The nice thing is, is it only counts as one loss. It's true. It's true. All right. We'll call it there. Thank you all for listening, watching wherever you are, Twitch, YouTube, or whatever podcasting platform you're listening on. Uh, we will be back with our preview podcast. We're probably going to be recording on Thursday night for our Raiders preview. A lot of our content is going to get pushed back a day because it's obviously a Monday night game. So might be coming to you late on the podcast feed or, or on, on the website. So just be prepared for all of that. We'll be doing um, one live stream right after the game on Monday night. I won't be a part of that, but um, maybe a, a Halloween night post game show as well on, <laughs> on Tuesday night. Um, but obviously keep, uh, keep up with us on, on all the social medias on Twitch, on YouTube and pride Detroit.com. But until next time for Eric, I'm Jeremy. It's chaos. Be kind. 